Well, it's good to be back with you. Uh, we had a good visit with uh, family back east. And we are embarking on not only a new year, but a new decade. And so there's a lot of thoughts that have gone through my mind as I think about what message to bring uh, as we embark on a new decade. And so I've landed on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So if you'll turn there, uh, we'll look at that together. And I guess while you're turning there, um, I will tell you um, that I am a, a miracle standing in front of you uh, because January the 1st, 1960, I came into the earth. I was born, and uh, the doctor, Dr. Couch, that delivered me uh, was getting over his hangover. So, and he didn't drop me. So thankfully, and my dad said when he came out to tell the fathers, of course the fathers weren't allowed in the waiting room back then, and he came out and he said, congratulations, your wife just had a, what was it? Uh, oh yeah, a boy. <laughs> I'm thankful they wait a couple days before they do the circumcision, you know. I mean, uh, that could have been rather interesting. So God is, God is good. But as I think about us embarking upon a new decade... I think that what I want to impress upon us, not only for 2020, but for the whole decade, is that you and I are going to be challenged in our faith. Challenged in our faith to trust God. We don't know what is going to come into our lives. We just came through 2010 to 2020. And some of us went through difficulty in this past decade. We've lost loved ones, some of us. Some totally unexpected, some through tragedy, difficulty. Some people have been through financial ruin. We've had farmers that have been through financial ruin in recent days. We don't know what's going to come toward us. Some of you began the last decade. You were married and had no kids. You had, like the one guy said, he said he had six theories for raising kids and no kids. And then later he had six kids and no theories. But we have seen in recent days people walk away from the faith. People that wrote praise songs, people that wrote Christian books have walked away from the faith. So there is a battle and there is a challenge and it will come to us in this decade as well. Are we going to cling to our faith and trust God? Because there's a lot of uncertainties in life. Some of us will graduate to heaven this decade. It could be, even be me. We have no guarantees. And so it's just a reminder that every day is a gift from the Lord. And we need to take advantage of it. We need to be investing in the kingdom of God, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so the admonition here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he says, Trust in the Lord. This would be the key for this decade, that we would trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So I want to give us three prescriptions for trusting God. Three prescriptions for trusting God. The first prescription 
is simply to exercise confidence in God. Notice I, I didn't say in God's provision. I didn't say in what God will do. Exercise confidence in God himself for who he is. Trusting God is the foundation stone for our walk with God. All the stories in the Bible point to trusting God. We look at the story of Abraham. He's to take Isaac to a mountain that God will tell him about. All he knows is he's supposed to go to that mountain. And God will tell him the rest of the story. How many of us like those kind of instructions? Just start on the journey. I'm not going to tell you the outcome. Just trust me. I think about Joseph who sat in prison for years and years, waiting for God to do something in his life. And, but it said the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Trust God. Exercise confidence in the Lord. I think about Hannah that prayed for a child waited on God, cried out to God in desperation, oh God, give me a child, I give this child back to you. And barrenness in Bible times was a shameful thing. In fact, many people thought they were cursed, that something was wrong with them. And yet God provided in his timing and his way to trust God. The prophet Jeremiah condemns misguided trust in human ways Look at what it says here. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Trusting in the Lord. Three ways we can exercise confidence in God for the year and the decade ahead. Three ways we can exercise confidence in God. The first way is by turning over my anxious thoughts to the Lord through prayer. Now, we have had many opportunities over this past year and over this past decade to experience anxiety. Anybody have any anxiety? <laughs> past year, past decade? Um, just a few times? Sleepless nights? We can turn over our anxious thoughts to the Lord through prayer. And that's what God wants us to do. He tells us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now some people want something more than that. And that's not what God gives us. He gives us the avenue of prayer to communicate with him our needs. See, we can become consumed with all the what-ifs in life. You can what-if yourself to death. 
What if the car breaks down? What if my health does not hold up? What if the company downsizes and I lose my job? What if my unborn child has a birth defect? What if God calls our child to the mission field? How am I going to pay for my son or daughter's college tuition? He's here. I thought I'd throw that in. Perhaps you heard about the college student. Um, He wrote home to his family, Dear Mom and Dad, I haven't heard from you in nearly a month. Please send a check so I know you're all right. (laughs) Don't get any ideas. Checks in the mail, (laughs) as they say. The word translated trust here means to lie helpless and face down. Think about that. Helpless and face down. That kind of trust. In, In fact, the New Testament says, Blessed are the what? The poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means that I am absolutely helpless apart from Christ, and I need his help. He tells us in Isaiah 26.3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trusting in the Lord. Psalm 62.8, I don't know why it's jumping on those, but it is. Uh, Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Then it adds that word, Selah, where you pause and you think about the fact of God's trust in our lives. I remember when God called us to Huron, South Dakota. The end of 2009, um, and of course many of you know uh, our missionary to Japan, Tony Haug, Uh, that I knew, who was supported by our church in Virginia. Um, He and I had gone golfing together, and we sat down in October. I still remember it. I still remember where we were at, October 2009. I sat down, and I shared with him as a friend. I said, Tony, let me share something with you, not as a pastor, but as a friend. I said, I have a desire to be a senior pastor, and I believe that God put that in my heart. I don't think I've manufactured it. I think God put that in my heart. And so I said, would you please pray for me about that? And so he he did. He started praying. That was October. In December, Tony is still in Virginia. He sends me an email at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. I'll never forget it. Roy, it said. And he didn't say, are you interested? He said, do you know of anyone interested in a senior pastor in Huron, South Dakota? I thought it was a joke. Because Tony is a joker, if you know Tony. And I thought, this can't be real. I read that to Pam, and she's like, you got to be kidding me. I said, I don't know if he's messing with me or what. Well, Tony slipped and fell the next morning. We had a little ice like you have out here, and he slipped and fell, and he cracked four ribs and ended up in the hospital. I didn't even try to go see him on Monday because I knew he'd be in so much pain. So me and another pastor went to the hospital on Tuesday to visit Tony. There he is lying in the hospital bed, and he brings up this church again. I said, well, Tony, I said, I, I, and one of the other pastors went with me, who was also my neighbor, and he says, um, he brings up the church again, and I said, yeah, Tony, I said, I got your email, I said, I was thinking that'd be a great church for Jeff, <laughs> and I pointed to the other guy that was with me, and he says, I don't want to go anywhere, and Tony starts telling him about the church, and I'm listening, I said, well, Tony, I said, you didn't even put the name of the church in your email, he said, Bethesda Church. I got back to the church, and I'm like, I can't remember the name now. And uh, so I went over to Jeff's office. I said, what was the name of that church Tony mentioned? 
out there, and he said, Bethesda. So I went and I typed it in, Google, you know, and sure enough, there was a church there, and you guys were looking for a pastor. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And the amazing thing was, almost immediately, God touched my heart. I can't explain it, and started praying, and then I talked to Pam, and I said, are we limiting God on where we will serve? And she said, I think we are. I said, I think I need to send in a resume. And that all was the result of trusting God and his leading in our lives. Because this was not on our radar, and it was not in the box that we had picked out for God to work in. And I've learned that God doesn't like boxes. So if you have a box, just know that this decade, it might be kicked open. (laughs) And God may want to do something that you're not even aware of at this time in your life, either you or your children or grandchildren. Are you open to trusting God? I like what Oswald Chambers says. He said, there are stages in life when there is no storm, no crisis. When we do our human best, it is when a crisis arises that we instantly reveal upon whom we rely. If we have been learning to worship God and to trust him, The crisis will reveal that we will go to the breaking point and not break in our confidence in him. You see, God is so concerned about our spiritual growth that he will intentionally put us in situations where we have no other choice but to trust him. Have you been there? I've been there, and I'm sure you have too. And God's going to put us there again and again and again. Because what happened with the Israelites? They would trust God, then they would not trust God. They would trust God, then they would not trust God. They would trust God, then they would not trust God. I mean, it was just like over and over. And do we not do the same thing? Guilty. (laughs) We do the same thing. And we need God to help us. I'm reminded of the song by Phillips Craig and Dean. You are God alone. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. By your plan, that's just the way it is. You are God alone from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God alone. And right now, in the good times and bad, you are on your throne. You are God alone. You're the only God whose power none can contend. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God, and that's just the way it is. And then it gives the little bridge, and it says three words, unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. That's who you are. And that's the God we are to trust So we can turn over our anxious thoughts to the Lord. The second way we can exercise confidence in God is by taking God at his word in regard to meeting our needs. Taking God at his word in regard to meeting our needs. He tells us in Philippians 4.19, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Every need that we have. And if you go back through this past decade, has God not supplied your need? Has he not met your need where you're at? He may not meet it exactly the way you think he will or when you think he will, 
but he does not leave us or forsake us. He meets us where we are. The writer of Hebrews said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And it's during that time of need I've recognized in my life and you've probably recognized in yours, it's during that time of need that I feel that need of wanting to draw close. There's times when things don't seem as needful and then we're not as desperate. And so sometimes I think God brings things into our life to remind us of our, our need of him and how desperate we are for him in our lives. In the end of this verse, keep your life free from the love of money, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great reminder of God's presence in our lives that we can trust him. I'm reminded of the story of a only survivor of a shipwreck. He was washed up on a small uninhabited island and he prayed feverishly for God to rescue him and every day he scanned the horizon for help but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect him from the elements and to store his few possessions. But then one day after scavenging for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames. The smoke rolling up to the sky, the worst had happened. Everything was lost. He was stunned with grief and anger. God, how could you do this to me, he cried. Early the next day, however, he was awakened by the sound of a ship that was approaching the island. It had come to rescue him. How did you know I was here? asked the weary man of his rescuers. We saw your smoke signal, they replied. You see, it's easy to get discouraged when things are going bad. But we shouldn't lose heart because God is at work in our lives, even in the midst of pain and suffering. So remember, the next time your little hut is burning to the ground, it may just be a smoke signal that summons the grace of God. For all the negative things we have to say to ourselves, God has a positive answer for it. Someone once said there are no hopeless situations, only people who are hopeless about them. So take God at his word to meet our needs. The third way we can exercise confidence in God is by trusting God's character in spite of our circumstances. It is so easy for all of us to look at our circumstances and forget the character of God in the midst of our circumstances. Circumstances can breed feelings of uncertainty, and those feelings of uncertainty move us in a downward spiral. We begin to lose confidence and lose our hope. And then we begin to question God's character, his knowledge, his wisdom, his ability. The challenges of life can begin to loom larger than the grace and mercy of God. But here's what we need to be reminded of. Psalm 37.5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. In his timing, in his way, he will do that.
He tells us in Psalm 56.3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Oliver Cromwell's secretary was dispatched to the continent on some important business. He stayed one night at a seaport town and he tossed on his bed, unable to sleep. According to an old custom, a servant slept in his room, and on this occasion he slept soundly enough. The secretary at length awakened the man who asked how it was that his master could not rest. I am so afraid something will go wrong with the message I need to deliver, was the reply. Master, said the valet, may I ask you a question or two? Did God rule the world before you were born? Most assuredly, he did. And will he rule it after we are dead? Certainly he will. Then master, why not let him rule the present too? The secretary's faith was stirred. Peace was the result, and in a few minutes, both he and his servant were in sound sleep. Trust God in spite of our circumstances. Exercise confidence in God. Prescription number two, follow counsel that is biblical. There's a lot of counsel out there that is not biblical, and even our own. What does he say? Trust in the Lord, how? With all your heart. I like how one commentator said it. He says that means to trust him entirely. It means to trust him exclusively. It means to trust him extensively. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then he says, and lean not on your own understanding. Because our own understanding is often unbiblical. We need to remember the deception of our own heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Proverbs 28.26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Talks about delighting ourselves in the Lord. And then he says in 2 Timothy, not sure, there we go, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. You see, it is the will of the devil to get us to follow our own counsel or unbiblical counsel. And unfortunately, in our day and age, what I am seeing and hearing is there are a lot of people who now are beginning to trust their feelings over the Word of God. Well, you know, I just, I just feel that. And I just feel like God is there. And I just feel and Feeling, feeling, feeling. Feelings lie to us. We have to come back to the Word of God and the truth of God. And the other thing I, I hear people saying is, well, God gave me this dream. You know, I've been having these dreams and dreams and dreams. And we don't take dreams over the revelation of God's Word. 
the inerrant, infallible, inerrant Word of God. We trust the Word of God. God has given us all the revelation we need. I'm not saying he can't confirm something, but it never should be separated from the Word of God. We have to be very careful that our counsel comes from the truth of God's Word and not some feeling or some dream that is separate from the Word of God. Prescription number three. Trust God's sovereignty over my life. Trust his sovereignty over my life. Sovereignty means that God has supreme power or authority. He is the controlling influence in our life. How do we do this? Well, I think one way we do it is that we declare God's faithfulness daily. We declare, God, you are faithful. You are, you are wise. Your word is true. I trust you. I believe what you say. See, he's not just talking here. He says in verse 6, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. All your ways acknowledging him, trusting the sovereignty of God in our lives. He is not talking about acknowledging God by a mere mental assent, but rather acknowledgement which flows out of an intimate relationship with God. God is faithful to guide me. And this guidance means that there will be times that there might be obstacles in our path, and we have to trust God to move those obstacles out of our way so we, he can fulfill his purpose in our life. And I will remind us of this as well, that life consists mostly of ordinary moments. Ordinary moments of life. And if we learn to trust God in the ordinary moments of life, we will know how to trust him in the extraordinary moments of life. In those times that are difficult and deep and dark and we can't see around the bend, if we've trusted him in the ordinary moments, we'll know how to trust him in the extraordinary moments. I'm reminded of that little chorus, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for today is mine always and all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Why do I need to trust the Lord? Why do you need to trust the Lord? Given the complexity of life, the innumerable decisions I must make on a daily basis, I need divine guidance. We have some young people in our church that are going to make, be making college decisions. I would encourage you, make that decision by trusting God, bringing it before the Lord in prayer, trusting him for where he wants to guide you and lead you. We have others that are starting families. Would you trust God? for not only the child that he gives you, but even the personality and the gifts and talents that he gives that child and the passions that he gives that child. And one of the things we try to do as parents is we try to allow our children to pursue the passion that God put in their heart. And that's what we encourage them to do. 
And I believe that's what God wants us to do. And then to trust his guidance in their lives. Given the uncertainty of what the future holds, combined with our ignorance of the future, we do not know what tomorrow holds. But as believers, we know who holds tomorrow. God's guidance is useless if we fail to follow it. If I attempt to go in a direction that God has not led me in, then I am not relying on God's wisdom and guidance for my life. I love this little poem, and I'm not sure who wrote it, but it's entitled, The God Who Is Enough. It says, "'Tis far, far better to let him choose the way that we should take. If only we leave our lives to him, he will guide us without mistake." We in our blindness would never choose a pathway dark and rough, and so we should ever find in him the God who is enough. When Charles Haddon Spurgeon, at the age of 18, was seeking God's will and guidance for his life, his friends and his father advised him to attend college. He applied to Regents Park College, and an interview was set up between the head of the college and Spurgeon. The meeting was to be in Cambridge at the home of Mr. McMillan, who was a publisher. At the appointed time, Spurgeon arrived for his meeting at McMillan's house. He rang the bell, and as a servant showed him into the parlor, he sat there in the parlor for two hours, until at last he called for the servant and was horrified to learn she had forgotten to announce his arrival. Meanwhile, the head of the college had sat waiting in the adjoining room until his patience had been exhausted. Spurgeon's first impulse was to run after the man to chase him to London to explain what had happened. But instead, he took a long walk out in the country to calm down, and Jeremiah 45.5 came to his mind so that he felt like he almost heard it audibly. And it says this, here's part of the verse, Should you then seek great things for yourself, seek them not. The Lord seemed to tell him not to worry about the misunderstanding and not to make extraordinary efforts to clear it up, but to take it as the Lord's will and to serve the Lord humbly where he was. As a result, Spurgeon never attended college. But it didn't matter. He became one of the most powerful and successful and fruitful ministers in the history of Victorian England. And he later said he thanked the Lord a thousand times very heartily for the strange providence which forced his steps into another and far better path. That is trusting God. And that is our challenge for 2020. For the new decade, we don't know what this decade holds. We don't know what this year holds, but we do know who holds it in the palm of his hand. We do know who holds us in the palm of his hand. And I want to encourage us as individuals, as families, as a church body, to trust God for what he wants to do in and through Bethesda Church. I think he has great things in store for us if we will trust him. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you take a moment to just reflect on your trust in the Lord? Have you given him your life? Are you trusting him with your life and what he wants to do in your life? Are you going to take him at his word, put confidence in the Lord, in his character, trust him and his character in spite of your circumstances? Say, God, I'm going to trust you. And maybe right now some of you are facing some deep things in your life personally, discouraging things. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself? That's really the only two options we have, trusting God or trusting in ourself. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And if we put our faith and trust in him, he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and put us in a right relationship with him. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you the first Sunday of 2020 to make Jesus your Savior and Lord. Right there in your seat, pray and ask God to come into your life. If you do that, would you let us know that you did that so we can help you grow in your walk with Christ? For those of us who are believers, that we would continue to trust God for whatever lies ahead, saying, God, I'm putting a stake in the ground the first Sunday of this year that I'm going to trust you. For whatever you bring into my life, I know it is filtered through your sovereign hands, and I'm going to trust you. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.